Hello to you and welcome to this episode of How Nigeria Works. But doesn't. My name is Sandra. I'm Andy. And um, we could have put out an episode last week and the week before that. We did. We did a week yes. before last week. Yes, we did a week before last week. Okay, so last week we wouldn't put out um, an episode and we apologize. But this week we're doing something pretty special. So um, within the few weeks where we were supposed to um, put out an episode and one didn't. One week. The one week. Okay, fine. The one week we were supposed to put out an episode and didn't. Something monumental happened in Nigeria. We had the president, Muhammad Buhari, who apologized to Chief Moshuda Biola's family, uh, conferred him with uh, one of the highest honors in the land. The highest honor. The highest honor in the land. Um, finally admitted that um, June 12... The elections of June 12, 1993... Um, were won by Mushuda Abiola. Okay. And so by virtue of that, he he's basically giving him an honor that every ex-president has received. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um, as a result of that, um, he has declared... Can I say declared? Declared what? That June 12th is the new democracy day? Yes, he has declared June 12th the new democracy day. Okay. And, you know, it's also going to be a day where we get a public holiday so it's not may 29 anymore it's now june 12 now it hasn't taken effect it's probably going to start from next, next year, year. Mm-hmm. um there's still something some huddles for it to pass at the house of legislatives right yeah the, the, yeah the the legislators are still going to have to look into it and oh. determine how constitutional it is yeah. oh yeah okay so i mean that has um opened that wound Fresh, I'd like to call it a wound because there's a lot of conversations about June 12th and Abiola and what happened, what almost happened, what didn't happen. For our foreign listeners, mm. uh, there was an election on June 12th, 1993, mm-hmm. a presidential election here in Nigeria, mm-hmm. uh, whose results were never officially announced. Mm-hmm. Um, the, re- the election was annulled by the 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 government the mm-hmm. military government at the time mm-hmm. um headed by general ibrahim babangida mm-hmm. they just annulled the elections mm-hmm. before the, all the results had come out mm-hmm. but from the results that we, that we were seeing before the annulment mm-hmm. um chief mko abiola was on track for a landslide victory mm-hmm. yeah against his uh, opponent alaji uh, tofa so that became sort of like a rallying point for Nigerian democracy activists. Mm. And it's, it's a big moment in Nigerian history. It, or it was supposed to be. Well, it is. Whether, like, the election itself and the movement that came after it are already a big moment. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it would have been bigger if the handover had actually taken place. Yeah. Okay. So for the people who are 25 and okay let me say 30 30 and younger you think about june 12 or you hear the name abiola so for for me who's Igbo, and i, I think about june 12 and i think about, about abiola and i remember also abiola right. <laughs> right you know and then um you also think about all of the rumors that swelled around the time that he was going to run about abiola um, burying by burying Bibles in the sea or something like that. We had we had all kinds of stories, you know. And of course, there was the talk about um, Babangida not wanting to hand over, and then there was also the talk about him being poisoned in prison, you know, and all of that. So there's a lot of talk, and a lot of it is um, shrouded in so much mystery. And there 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 are so many players. You know, with this story, there are so many players. There because, are so many names. Because it's more than just a story about one election. Yeah. It's the story of a whole republic. Mm. It's not really about just June 12. Mm. June 12 is, was just the end of the Third Republic in some ways. Mm. But the story of June 12 is about everything that went before mm. in the lead up to what would have been mm. Nigeria's Third Republic. That's why we're calling this episode June 12th. How the Third Republic almost worked. All right, so let's start from the top. Let's let's go back. Let's 
paint us a picture. First of all, why 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 is it called the Third Republic? Why are we calling why, why is there why why is there a first and a second and a third republic? Right. Um, it, it, it's it's language borrowed from the French. Okay. Basically, any time a, a nation mm-hmm. that's a republic mm-hmm. uh, changes its constitution, mm-hmm. uh, we say that it's a new republic and the republic has started. Okay. So. Um, Nigeria got independence in 1960, mm-hmm. and um, we became a republic in 1963 mm-hmm. when we removed the Queen of England as our head of state. That's right. And we had a new constitution. So from so that 63 is the first republic, mm-hmm. and then we had a military takeover in 66, mm-hmm. and we had a transition back to democracy in 79 under a new constitution. Mm-hmm. So that was our second republic, mm-hmm. which lasted till 83, and then military took over again, and so. Um, the lead up to the 993 election was a, there was a transition with the military government was they created a new constitution and mm-hmm. were trying to hand over to civilian elected government again. Yeah, sure. So they were setting up a third republic mm. basically. So that's why we call that period of our time that okay. the third republic. But unlike the two republics that went before it mm-hmm. and the one we're currently in now, mm-hmm. the fourth republic that mm-hmm. started in 1999, mm-hmm. the third republic we call it abortive okay. because there was never a full handover. Um, we we ended up with elected governors, elected um, national assembly, elected senate, mm-hmm. elected houses of assembly in each state, mm-hmm. but we never had an elected president. Mm-hmm. So we had a military president, and that was what the June twelfth elections were trying to correct. Mm-hmm. The whole plan was for after that, those elections mm-hmm. for a new civilian president to be sworn in mm-hmm. and the military would leave us mm-hmm. and we would have our third republic but it all ended there okay so um i read a very um uh i want to say um packed i, I want to say educative i want to say info- informative but i don't have a lot of the backstory so i can't say oh this is actually um steeped in facts but i read this thread on twitter that tried okay. to do like a timeline. Are oh, you talking about Demola's thread? Yes. A wonderful thread, very uh, well written. Okay, so I, the, it, it 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 did a timeline of sorts. It, it was all over the place. I have to say that it kept going off on tangents here and there, so it was a little um, difficult to stay with what he was trying to do. Because it's a lot to say. Yes. There's a lot to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, but um, I I liked what he tried to do, but I wish um there was a way to take it from timeline to timeline. Can we try to do that with this episode? Yeah, that's what we're going to do. Mm. Uh, because uh, Demola, and let me say again, he did a great job with that thread. Mm. I, I read it as well. Mm. And Demola was focusing on June 12th. Mm. And the problem with discussing June 12th is that there's a lot of backstory and mm. there's a lot of context you have to create. Mm-hmm. And that's what made him have to divert and digress on so many occasions mm-hmm. to try and give us a little bit of the context mm-hmm. and the backstory mm-hmm. to things that led up to June 12th. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, he did a good job of it. But I think what we we should do, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I like the way we're trying to approach it, we're looking at the Third Republic as a whole mm-hmm. and showing what led to the June 12th cancellation. Mm-hmm. So let's start from there. Let's start from the beginnings of the Third Republic. Mm. Who were the major players? I think to answer that question, we have to go even further back than the Third Republic. We have to go all the way back to the first. Okay. Because Nigerian politics do its like very stop and start. Mm-hmm. Like up until the Third Republic, most of or to, or to after the Third Republic, most of our um, time as an as an imperial nation was under military rule mm-hmm. and uh, civilian rule, elected democratic rule was like the minority of the time mm-hmm. so it, it the, the uh, you have these like two islands mm-hmm. of democratic rule mm-hmm. so it's almost it's very tempting to look at it look at them as isolated incidents mm-hmm. but actually no there was continuity mm-hmm. in the political space mm-hmm. so it's good to look at that okay so let's start at the very beginning okay um, first republic in the beginning yes <laughs> in the beginning uh we had our constitution the th- uh, First Republic, 1963, mm-hmm. and it was a parliamentary democracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had three major parties. Mm-hmm. We had the uh, Nigerian, uh, the Northern People's Congress, the NPC, mm-hmm. uh, uh, led by uh, the uh, Amadou Bello, the Sardano of Sokoto. Mm-hmm. We had um, the NCNC, the, um, which was led by Imam Diazikiwe, mm-hmm. and we had the Action Group, which was led by um, Lechi for Bafemi Awolowo. Okay. And those were the three major parties. We had a couple of others. 
and basically parliamentary system so all three parties were vying for majority of seats in parliament mm-hmm. and whoever has a majority gets a prime minister mm-hmm. and the, for, throughout the duration of the first republic mm. um, the majority was held by the NPC okay. and we, they had a coalition of sorts with the NCNC as the minority partner okay. as the junior partner I should say okay. and so that allowed the NPC to pick the prime minister okay. who was Sir Tafar Balewa mm-hmm. and the Junior partner, the NCNC, mm-hmm. picked the president, okay. uh, Nambi Azikiwe, who was greater, higher than the prime minister in prestige, yeah. but less powerful. Mm-hmm. Almost like the Queen of England, mm-hmm. almost a constitutional ruler mm-hmm. in some in, in a context. So that's how it was. But the, there were issues with the First Republic that led directly to its demise. Mm-hmm. The First Republic, like we said, was parliamentary, mm-hmm. and those parties were tribal mostly. Mm. They were ethnic, tribal and regional parties. Mm. The NPC, its name even says it, Northern People's Congress. Mm -hmm. It was a mostly Northern party. The NPC did not bother to field candidates in Western Nigeria or Eastern Nigeria. It said, look, we're a purely Northern party. We're interested in Northern issues so we're not going to meddle in you guys' politics down there. Mm. You guys bring whoever we all meet in Lagos. Mm. Uh, The NCNC fielded candidates everywhere which actually annoyed the NPC a lot of the time. (laughs) But but even... in spite of that, the NCNC was an Eastern party. Okay. It was mostly Eastern Nigeria. Okay. And the action group was mostly Western. Okay. And so when you have a system like that where the parties are regional, in a parliamentary system, the party with the biggest region will always bring the most um, MPs. Yeah. And so will always dominate power. Yeah. So that led to like tension within the polity. And there were other issues. There was corruption. There were, there were many issues. Mm. And finally, like the whole First Republic degenerated into this morass mm. and then some soldiers decided that look enough the, yeah enough is enough let's end the corruption let's do this and they had this coup and there were suggestions that the coup was tribal had a tribal slant suggestions I don't want to get into all of that in this episode I think we'll have another podcast for this okay but eventually um, those soldiers um, those soldiers took over government mm-hmm. a lot of the leaders were killed leaders of the of the civilian parties and eventually this led to a genocide in the north mm-hmm. a genocide against easterners in the north mm-hmm. against mostly Igbos, mm-hmm. and that led to our civil war mm-hmm. and yeah so anyway that was the end of the first republic okay now by so by the time um we get to the late 70s because mm-hmm. this this the republic the first republic lasted from 63 to 66 okay and then the civil war was from 67 to 70 yeah and then we had the 70s, the oil boom. By the late 70s, when the military was ready to hand over power, mm-hmm. uh, the question that was foremost on their minds was, how do we ensure that the problems that led to the end of the First Republic and the genocide and mm-hmm. the war mm-hmm. don't happen again? And one of their realizations was that the idea of regional parties was dangerous. Mm. That regional parties would lead to a situation where one party would always dominate parliament. Hmm. So the first thing they did was, okay, what? Well, no more parliaments. Let's have no more parliamentary system. No more Westminster. Okay. Let's have a presidential system okay. because there, it's it, you know, it doesn't matter who has a majority. In the, which which ethnic group has the largest group? Mm. There's a president. That's right. Right. So they decided on that, and they decided the president has to be elected from across the whole country. Okay. And that's where we came up with this system we have till today, where. You don't is getting the most votes mm-hmm. is not enough to make you president. Mm. You have to get like two thirds of the vote. Sorry, one, um, yeah, two thirds of the votes in two thirds of the states, yeah. or one quarter in two thirds of the states. Yeah. The whole idea of that is to make sure that you are popular everywhere. That's right. So it's not a situation that okay, I'm from the largest tribe. Mm-hmm. My tribe can put together a majority. Mm-hmm. So even if the rest of the country doesn't vote for me, as long as my tribe's members can vote for me, I will win. Mm-hmm. That can't happen in Nigeria anymore. Mm-hmm. The only way you win is if you have enough um, supporters in in pl- two thirds. Yes, means from outside of your tribe. That's right. So that's the Second Republic Constitution gave us that. Okay. So what that what happened in the Second Republic was those old regional parties mm-hmm. were still alive but just not in name. Mm. So people who were members of the NCNC in the First Republic mm-hmm. were like 10 years later were still obviously still loyal to Namdi Asikiwe. Obviously. Uh, people who were in the action group 10 years ago were still very loyal to Chief mm-hmm. Um The leaders, the northern leaders of the NPC mm-hmm. were dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
they had less of a regional slant. So what happened there was the people who were the leaders of the NPC who were still alive had to go and get friends in other parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And they came together and formed what could possibly be called Nigeria's first truly national party, the NPN. Okay. So the NPN was the party that eventually won the elections in 1979 mm-hmm. as the first the second republic started okay so the npn so that you so you can see those were old allies of balewa old allies of amadou bello and then you had the allies of awolowo the old action group yeah became the upn oh. which was the major opponent major opposition and you had a lot of the old azikiwe loyalists were with him in in um, in um, npp so you still have those same three parties yeah but They've moved forward. But what was the NPC had become a more national party, the NPN, uh-huh. which was an NPN was really everywhere, you know. Like my parents were members of the NPN in River State, oh. you know, it was a, a truly national party hmm. with all the good and bad that comes with that in Nigeria. Hmm. So NPN won the elections in 79, mm-hmm. they won the elections again in 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by 83 and on, like, the corruption was mm. quite rife mm. and the bitterness in the political system mm. and Nigeria was getting into debt again or rather for the first time, mm-hmm. like, major debts. Mm-hmm. And so there was an economic crisis and a financial crisis and a political crisis and people lost faith in the government okay. and um, the military took over again. Again. Yeah, there was a coup again and the military took over again. And... When they first took over, and it's our current president today, mm-hmm. the our elected president today mm-hmm. was the uh, military head of state. At the time. That, yes, he was the one who took over from the civilians. He ended democracy then mm. and benefits from democracy today, which <laughs> is one of the ironies of life. It's poetic. Uh, it is, the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, um, at the time, General Muhammadu Buhari. Mm-hmm. So Buhari ruled Nigeria for a couple of years, was not really interested in a handover. Yeah. There were a lot of problems, economic problems, human rights issues, and then he got overthrown by the military. The people who had helped him take over mm-hmm. took over from him, mm-hmm. and uh, that was when um, General Babangida came to office and Ibrahim Babangida, from the very beginning, in fact, from his takeover speech, mm. was promising a, a return to civilian rule, mm. a return to democracy, mm-hmm. right from the beginning. That was 1985, mm-hmm. August 26, 1985. Yeah. And he was promising that he to hand over power back to the civilians, that we should just bear with him, and there will be a long, tra- there will be a whole transition process. That transition process took forever. It took a minute. Yes. He, he transitioned for a long ass he time. Did, he did. <laughs> well, like when you compare his transition to the, tr- the, f- the one that came before him, yeah. the one by um, Murtala Mohammed and Olusegun Obasanjo, yeah. that was a much shorter transition, much closer to the point. But Babangida made, he made a point throughout that he was taking time because he wanted to rebuild political institutions, he wanted to build... A military man. Yes. It's it's interesting when you look (laughs) at when you look at um, Babangida and what he said at the time. uh, Well, you see a man who really saw himself as something like a father of the nation. Yeah. Whether he was or not, yeah. I will leave to the listener. But uh, he felt that there were wrongs. And he had to right them. Yes. And we should look at this. in the con- And I always tell people this, that when we look at the military interventions mm-hmm. that took place in our history, mm-hmm. and we look at them from a viewpoint of today, mm-hmm. we do a, a bit of a disservice to our history. Okay. Um, I'm no fan of the military. I don't believe that they belong in government. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that the conventional wisdom at the time was not so clear. Um, the Nigerian military modeled its interventions mm-hmm. on what was happening in other countries. It was not yet settled conventional wisdom that democratic governance was the best way. Okay, fair enough. A lot of countries in the world felt that, one, sometimes a military was a better option. Mm-hmm. They felt authoritarianism was a better option. Mm-hmm. And even in countries that espouse democracy, places like Turkey, mm. they believed that the military had a critical role to play in democracy mm. as sort of a release valve or a way to right the ship. They felt that at times when the excesses of the democratically elected or civilian governments mm-hmm. went too far, mm-hmm. that the military was meant to step in, take over, restore some sort of order, discipline, morality, or whatever it was mm-hmm. to the society and then hand power back. So, 
many people, many intellectuals at the time, many activists at the time, were okay with the idea of a milit of military rule. Were okay with the idea of a military of the military um, supervising a transition. Hmm. So when IBB, that's um, Ibrahim Badam Musibabangira, was talking about all these things, it did not really ring ironic or it did not ring um, hypocritical or hmm. false or impossible. It looked even when it was taking the amount of time it was taking. I mean, I transitioned from from permed hair to natural hair <laughs> <laughs> in a much shorter time. <laughs> well, the thing with the thing with the transition. Well, I, I mean, our activists at the time, they, I, I, I find it hard to believe that they just at the time they felt that. Okay, and also, let us also bear in mind that never before or since in the history of Nigeria have the have civilians been uh, successful in overthrowing a military government. True. So basically, you are the, when these things are happening, um, you're basically at the mercy of the military. Mm. You're hoping that the military keeps their word and mm. hands over when they're supposed to hand over. Mm. You know, when people say, and especially when um, the generation before me talk about how oh, they fought the military and they, 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 they fought the military and they drove the military away, um, with all respect to my elders, it's a bit of an exaggeration. I think the military decided to leave, and international pressure pushed the military to leave. Yeah, but, but now, who 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 elicited the international pressure? The generation before you. Well, yes, but like you know, when people like that's like saying, okay, I went and I called, like I went and reported you to my mommy, and my mommy came and beat you up or mm. whatever, and then I say I beat you up. No, my mommy did. You know. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> <laughs> Let's be technical. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but back to the Third Republic. So, yeah, so um, Babangida got in 85. Mm -hmm. He promised a constitution within two years. Mm -hmm. And he said after that constitution was in place, mm -hmm. then we could start having elections mm -hmm. leading to a transition. I think his first date for a transition was 89. Okay. And then he pushed it back to 90. Okay. And then he pushed it to 92. Mm -hmm. And then finally, the final one he gave us was 93, which ended up being the case mm. somehow mm. but yeah so but when uh the so everything that led to june 12 1993 kicked off with the babangida transition and the third republic as mm. it came to be known mm. uh the first two years of IBB's regime, from 85 to 87, there was a lot of political education. There was a lot of grassroots mobilization. He set up this organization called MAMSA, yeah. um, uh, Mass Mobilization for Self-Reliance, Social Justice, and Economic Recovery. He had all these acronyms and all these organizations that mm -hmm. he set up. And uh, it was all about going to the grassroots, mobilizing people, right. giving them some political education mm. and all of that. IBB seemed obsessed with getting a transition that looked right, that looked good, you know, to the public and to the international community. Mm. Um, he was also obsessed with avoiding the problems of regionalism, regional parties, and all of that. So, uh, in the was that why he said he didn't want any of the old um, politicians? Yes, that was part of it. He be he believed, and some people agreed with him, that the old politicians were too steeped in regional politics mm. in you know that way of looking because we pointed out even the second republic parties mm -hmm. were based on the first republic party yeah and those first republic parties were based on regional 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 politics yeah but dissolving the old parties or like saying oh i want only new people that that it didn't really solve much did it well it may or may not have but we we, we can't look at it in isolation because other, there were other factors, but mm. then, but before we do that, let us let's clarify what Sandra and I are talking about here. One of the first things that Babangida did mm -hmm. when he took power was say that any politician who had held an elective position in elective position or cabinet position mm -hmm. in the first or second republic mm -hmm. was disqualified. Yes, was disqualified. Was not allowed to partake in the in third republic mm -hmm. politics. Yeah. So it was a whole thing. Uh, it, a lot of politicians just found themselves like banned, <laughs> like banned, like all the major leaders of all the they, nobody they, they could not partake in, in politics. Which you know was the uh, the premise on yeah. on which or through which Abiola could come in. Mm, not at first, because even then, even even when that that, that ban first took place, mm. there were still lots of 
politicians much more, more powerful, more influential than Abiola who were in line before him. Yeah. It, that was not really what cleared the path for Abiola. Okay. What cleared the path for Abiola were subsequent bannings. Okay. Because as we will see, the story of the Third Republic mm. in, in actual practice, the history of the Third Republic mm. was a series of cancelled elections, cancelled primaries, That's right. and disqualified politicians after the cancellations mm. and fresh elections with new people who survived. So it was almost like you can look at it like there was this long list of politicians mm-hmm. and each time there was a primary and election, those at the top of the list win. Mm. And then that election or that primary gets cancelled by Babangida mm-hmm. and those people at the top are all disqualified and then the next group go for the race mm. and then they get disqualified. It was a whole thing. It was like it just kept on happening time after time. Mm. So it should be pointed out that June 12th was not the first annulled or cancelled election ah. in the Third Republic. It was just the most pivotal. And we'll get to the reasons why. Okay. So, 1987, they set up a... Um, IBB sets up two committees. Mm-hmm. The Constitutional Review Committee works first. They look at the old constitution to see what could be kept and what could be left off. Mm-hmm. They decide, no, let's just write a fresh thing. Mm-hmm. So, he, so he creates a new one, the Constituent Assembly. Mm-hmm. And the Constituent Assembly... Basically, writes a new constitution for Nigeria yeah. in 1987 that would dictate the um, that would dictate the modalities by which the Third Republic would be run, and uh, we had some innovations in that 87 constitution, which are quite interesting. You say innovations in a very mysterious way. I want to ask you what innovations means. Yeah, in, well, innovations in the sense of like things that had not been seen okay. in, in Nigerian constitutions before that moment mm-hmm. and um, things that and some of them that may not may, may even have been completely new mm-hmm. in political history mm-hmm. uh, so for example uh, Babangida decided that multi-party democracy was too unstable mm-hmm. for Nigeria and decided that the best thing was to have two parties two major parties two major national parties mm-hmm. and Political scientists will tell you that a presidential system usually winds up with a two-party system anyway. anyway yeah. It just naturally evolves to that, even when it's not officially that way. Like in America, America has like hundreds of parties, yeah. but you have two parties, yeah. really. But Babangida did not want to have that organic way. He decided that it had to be enshrined and enforced. Mm-hmm. So the 1987 constitution... Mm-hmm specifically spells out that there shall be two political parties and the two political parties would be owned by the government or by the state let me put it that way so they would be state organs uh, and they would both be national parties with headquarters everywhere and spread everywhere uh, and uh, so they would have a presence in every state every local government and every ward he was trying his hardest to get rid of the idea of a regional party by all means. Mm. And so basically you had a system like you have in communist countries where the party is an organ of the state okay. except that in communist countries it's one party. Those are all one party states usually. China, uh, Cuba and they had a lot more of them at the time. Mm. We should always remember that like this was before the fall of communism right. the Cold War was still on right. So and almost like it was like a 50-50 thing. Mm. You were either on or not even a 50-30-30 like, like you, you either had a full constitutional democracies or you had these one-party states or you had authoritarian regimes mm. and so nobody could really say with any certainty which system was doomed was for working. failure and yeah. which one was working yeah. so he went for that one and he created a hybrid he said look you know what we're going to have a democracy presidential democracy just like the Americans but we're going to have the parties as state organs just like the Soviets okay. and it's going to be two parties not one and that's what it was so, so okay yeah, so he did that. And so now, after the Eastern Constitution was written, the question now became, well, how, who are the two parties? What, what's going on? What's next? What's the next step? Mm. And IBB kept on telling the politicians, and a lot of the politicians who had ambitions in the Third Republic were in the Constituent Assembly. The Constituent Assembly had about 500 members, okay. and they were drawn from all over the country. Okay. And some of them were elected okay. to the Constituent Assembly. And so IBB kept telling them that, look, after this, this constituent assembly, the CA is mm. done. You guys go and start politics. You're going to go and start politicking. You're going to go start forming your own parties. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pick the two best parties and make them the state parties. And they're like, what do you mean by the best parties? And he said, I mean the parties that are the least regional and mm. the most national. Oh. The parties that have the m- 
best presence all across the country. So immediately the 87 constitution was uh, was written and promulgated more or less like the starting pistol was shot okay. and the politi- and IBB lifted the ban on political activity okay. and the politicians went about what doing the business of politicians which is to form political parties mm-hmm. and it was now a whole thing you form your party and you're going to try and recruit people from all, all over, over the country yeah. so you have branches in every state and, and every there were 30 LGA states world. at the time yes there are 30 states so it was a whole thing so parties would go and, and they would like um get coordinators for each state mm-hmm. and the coordinator's job was to like you know basically evangelize build and, a structure yes build a structure <laughs> yes a good yes, well, that's a good throwback to our past and future podcast <laughs> so yeah they went about they were building their structures no, we actually don't have a past uh, podcast about structure we mentioned it briefly in a past podcast no oh, we didn't no we didn't oh. you're bringing your twitter fights to my podcast oh i apologize i apologize that's um <laughs> <laughs> That's corruption, actually. <laughs> but yeah, future podcasts. Yeah, some okay. political structures. So, mm. Yeah, so the coordinators were going out there and trying to build those parties. Mm-hmm. And you basically had um, four major parties. Mm-hmm. There were 13 parties like that were in the running, but there were only four that were really major and had a chance of being shortlisted. Okay. You had the PSP, the People's Solidarity Party, the um, NNC, the Nigerian National Congress. Um, you had the Liberal Convention and you had the PFN, the People's Front of Nigeria. Did all these people have ideologies? That's the interesting thing is that ideology was strongest in the First Republic. Okay. And as each republic progressed, the ideology sort of got diluted. Okay. So the First Republic, um, apart from being regional, the mm. parties were also ideological. Mm. The Action Group, the party of the Western region, mm-hmm. The predominantly Yoruba region mm-hmm. was the most leftist of the parties. Oh, yes, it was very leftist. It was very. It, it had a lot of social, like social welfare. It was big on social welfare. Okay. It was also big on other issues like education and all that. But social welfare and um, that was one of its major tenets. Mm. And uh, that went on into the the next republic, the second republic, the UPN, okay. which was a natural successor okay. to the um, to the um, action group also was very like leftist or leaned more left uh, but also had the same approach towards government the same policy direction okay. ed- with a, like a, a big premium on education so like in lagos you had them um, you know um in the or rather in the western region Awolowo, big on schools then in the second republic you have like some of our great um politicians political leaders like uh, governor ambrose ali mm. in what was then Bendel State, okay. now Edo and Delta State, yeah. did a lot for education as well, following that Awolowo model. Yeah, you know, he was a professor as well. Uh, so th- that's what that party was known for. Mm. Uh, the the other parties... The, like, N- the NPC? Yes, the N- no, no, that was the Action Group, mm-hmm. which later became the UPN. No, I'm talking about the other parties Okay, now. sorry, the other party, yeah, the NPC mm-hmm. and the NCNC mm-hmm. were more like, they were less to the left. You could say that they were still to the left when you consider them against like, like, like the British Conservative Party or the American Republican Party. Mm-hmm. They were left of that, but they were right of the Action Group. Okay. Yeah. So, and the parties that they gave birth to, the NPN, okay. was also more to the right than, than the UPN, its rival at the time. Uh. And then also they had ideologies as regarding the powers of states versus the power of the federal government. Huh. The NPC. And the NPN mm. were quite centrist in their attitude. Okay. While the UPN and before it the Action Group mm-hmm. were quite, um, um, they believe more in what we would call today restructuring. Uh. They believe more in like the states or the region having more power, uh. and that carried itself into the 1987 Constituent Assembly. Okay. Because some of the members did not held positions in those past republics, mm-hmm. but they were members of the UPN. They were members of the NPN. Okay. Like they were there and they carried those attitudes into the writing of the constitution oh. and they ended up in two big blocks the block on the right which was the old npn people uh-huh. npn they called themselves the federalists okay and it's sort of like the exact opposite of how we use the word federalism today okay when we say federalism today we're talking more of like uh 
true federalism as we call it yeah. let the states have their rights yeah. against the federal government but then when they said federalism they were like oh that means we're for the federal government so oh. they were looking more like powers for the federal government and all of that and so they were the old MPN block okay. and against them were the progressives mm. who were the old UPN action group block mm. and that word progressive stuck in our language we have it today in the APC yes. because the APC the all progressive congress mm. is one of its leaders is Bolatinubu mm-hmm. and as we will see Bolatinubu and the others they all came from the SDP mm. which was a direct came directly from the progressives uh, in the constant assembly uh, yeah so that's where that comes and, and and they owe that legacy of being called progressives to Awolo of the action group so you see so yes that line. it's like a father who gives birth and right. then gives birth that's and right. then gives birth yes mm. it continues it continues um, it just has it just takes on different names different clothes yeah yeah so the so when the progressives and the federalists came out of the constant assembly mm-hmm. they started forming parties mm-hmm. now those four parties I mentioned to you two were federalists and two were progressives okay yeah the uh, excuse me the NNC was federalist party the PF the PFN the People's Front mm-hmm. was a progressive party okay um, the um, PSP was um, the PSP was also a progressive party mm-hmm. and then the Liberal Convention was a federalist party so they were along those lines mm. and they were vying for that you know to have those two slots okay and uh, even before before the selection was made mm-hmm. in 89 oh, no sorry in um, 87 but immediately afterwards there were LGA elections mm-hmm. the LGA elections were not held on party lines okay it was just free for all um, just let's put people in the LGA council okay and it was a disaster it was a complete fiasco um, over registration polling units were full the registers kept having problems basically the electoral commission was not ready for that election yeah. and it, it turned into a disaster and um, Babangida was not happy and the the chairman of the electoral commission left and Babangida put in a new man there okay. Professor Humphrey Musu uh-huh. and he re, they rebranded it as NEC so who's the one that left? Um, that's Ewe Owa Professor okay. Ewe Owa okay. who was a mentor to Professor Wosu. Okay. Uh, so Professor was Wosu. that when it was called? Was it Fedeco at the moment? Yeah, that was Fedeco. No, was that, no, that's not Fedeco. That was um, it was still Neckon, I think. Okay. And then it became Neck. Okay. Yeah, Neck National National Electric Electoral Commission. Okay. So Wosu took over, and Wosu and and Babangida worked together mm-hmm. to revamp the entire electoral process. Mm-hmm. I think it, at this point, because of things that happened afterwards, mm-hmm. Professor Humphrey Wosu gets often gets a bad rap. But I think I owe him a special mention, okay. an honorable mention for the great work he did <laughs> okay. as the Electoral Commission Chairman because history tends not to remember your successes when your f- failures get glaring. But he did a great job. He basically gave us some of the best elections we've had. Okay. And uh, he he regularized the voters' register. And uh, Babangida and him... Um, historians will argue about who, should, who they should give more credit to, okay. but they gave us the, what they call the open ballot system. Yes, and I remember from our very first episode that you said that that was probably the freest and fairest way. Yes, um, it's at least definitely you could say it was the freest way mm. because it allows it makes it harder to rig an election mm. when people are standing and voting, mm-hmm. and the result is clear that line that queue is longer than that queue yeah so it's harder to say oh the people candidate number two actually won the election when yeah we can all when see you that. can all see <laughs> candidates number one's line right yeah yeah so in that sense it was free okay but um i always hesitate to call it fair because <laughs> it's difficult like the, the example i always give especially in a society like ours mm-hmm. now imagine a situation where oga his driver his cook and his gate man are all voting at the same polling unit and everybody knows that Oga is for candidate one. Yeah. And Oga is standing in the queue in candidate for candidate one. And this is his cook, his gate man and his driver 
coming to vote. No, but excuse me, I, I'm allowed to vote by choice. You are allowed to vote your choice, <laughs> and I'm also allowed to employ my choice. So that's what happens. And then now tomorrow you come to work, and there's a new driver, a new cook, and a new gate man, and he hired them right from the queue in front of him. Right as he was. No, I'm sure things like that were happening. You know, but nobody's going to say anything. But I'm sure it was happening that way. That's why you would say it's not. It wasn't fair. Yes. It, oh come on, man. It couldn't possibly be fair because you. And that's why we have secret ballots in the first place. The initially voting in in the world mm-hmm. voting didn't start out as a secret thing. Mm-hmm. People stood out in the marketplace somewhere and raised their hands. Yeah. But people realized that that was getting people into trouble <laughs> and that people could not vote their conscience because mm. somebody be looking at them. Somebody's father-in-law is looking at him. Yeah. Somebody's boss is looking at him. And yeah. so they say, you know what? Nah, we're not going to do this. We are going to make it a secret ballot so everybody can go in there and vote mm-hmm. and vote their mind. And that's why somebody like Dele Momodo when he was running for president <laughs> and he went to the polling unit and him, his wife and his whole family went to the polling unit and he came out and after they counted the voting in his polling unit, he only had one vote. <laughs> Like, like his wife and the family members voted somebody else. Somebody else. You know, like... <laughs> or his votes were stolen. Or his wife voted for him, but he didn't vote for himself. I don't know, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's why we have secret ballot. So, the having an open ballot, mm. I, could, I would argue, while making it harder to rig an election, also makes it easier to influence the vote. So this is an argument that we could actually have. This is a debate we could actually have. Yes. But let's focus. Okay. Yeah. So they put that in place. Mm. We started having a, so then one of the issues was before we could have the next elections, we need two parties. Mm. Which are the parties? So in 1989, Babangida was going to make his choice. Mm. The parties had run all over the place and they had to now compile their records and their evidence mm. to show that they had open local government offices. Because mm. the requirements were, were to have an office in every local government. Mm. We're supposed to have like an office in a state. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to have so many number of registered people per LGA mm-hmm. and so many per state mm. and all of that just to show that you were a national party. Mm. And so the coordinators were the ones running around and getting all that information, getting all that, and getting it all compiled, and then they went to Lagos to submit. Mm. And all I remember, it was on NTA News when the parties were going to Lagos to submit their mm. bids. Mm-hmm. And then the particular day, I can't remember the day, but IBB said he was going to come on air and announce who had won. Mm-hmm. And he came on, and we all were all glued to our TV sets. <laughs> and he talked about... And IBB was never the greatest speaker. Oh. He would always start by telling you everything he had done mm-hmm. for Nigeria from mm-hmm. the day he took office till that day. Because, you know, Messiah. Yeah, he yeah. had a bit of that Messiah complex. Yeah. So, he, after giving us his usual summary of all his achievements and sacrifices on our behalf... Of course, you should be grateful. You are grateful a lot. Because we are ungrateful Nigerians. <laughs> I mean, here is this man, like, he doesn't even want to be president, but he's just doing all this for us. So after giving us all of that, he was now remembering us about all the history of the political parties up until this point yeah. and how he had to make this choice. Wow, really? Yes. Oh, God. And I remember turning to my parents, and I was a little kid, mm. and we were like, I said, Why is he going on and on? Exactly. And on? I'm Why would the same he thing. land? And they were like, Stop trying to hear. <laughs> so eventually he said, After considering all the bids of all the 13 parties, mm-hmm. the winners are none of them. According to the head of state, none of the thirteen parties had met to his satisfaction the what requirements. A way to build up and yank you off midway. Who me or IBB? IBB, like build up, build up, build up, build up, stop halfway. Such a Nigerian man. Yes, and we've we've covered this before, and our expectations of the Nigerian man. Yes, but um, up. yes. So IBB said none of the parties were good enough, uh-huh. and that he was going to announce two new parties yeah. that he was creating. And basically... So the parties that had been created were not good enough. Yeah. He created his own parties. Yeah. And so a lot of politicians, like, had heart attacks, <laughs> felt ill. Oh. Because people have put their money into this thing, you know. And I shouldn't have laughed. People had heart attacks and my reaction was to laugh. It's the way you said it. I blame yeah, you, you for blame my laughter. You for your inhumanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so the politicians now, well, we're faced with a choice: mm-hmm. like keep going or give up. But if you keep going, you have to get into one of these his two parties and start from the bottom. Right. Down. So IBB came up. He didn't just like come out and just give us two names of two parties. Okay. No, 
he came up with manifestos for both parties. Ah. Yes. And we talk about party ideology. The party ideologies were clear. One party was, and IBB himself put it this way, one is a little to the left mm -hmm. and another is a little to the right. Okay. Yeah. And so the S they were they call the SDP and the NRC, the Social Democratic Party mm -hmm. and the Na Na National Republican Congress. Oh, and you notice very D, American for you D people. for Democrat, R for Republican. You people are so original. Oh, you know, IBB, we'll get into this another day, but mm -hmm. IBB had a tendency to just copy American institutions, oh. even down to the name. Yeah. And his his successors mm -hmm. kept that up. Yeah. So we have the two parties. And That's always so lost. It is. Because we, we, we try, we, we, we don't do a good enough job of finding our own identity. Yeah. We just borrow and collect and. Do. And we don't even borrow right. Yeah, but you can't borrow right because you're not even seeing the reasons why they're doing these things that they're doing. No, but at least, like, yeah, but okay. So, yeah. So, SDP <laughs> was the party on the left mm -hmm. by its manifesto, by mm -hmm. the ideology in its manifesto mm -hmm. and the programs that IBB decided the programs that the parties want to do. Ah. Then, on the right, NRC was more, you know, conservative, more on the right. Such right? a magnanimous man. Yes. So, the politicians who decided to remain in the game. Mm -hmm had to find one of the two parties to get into. Mm -hmm. So basically, what happened was the Federalist parties went into the NRC okay. because that party was on the right. Okay. And the Progressive parties went into the SDP. So, and they went in as factions. So now you had the PFN faction mm -hmm. in the SDP. Mm -hmm. You had the NNC faction in the NRC mm. along with the, you know, that, that was kind of how... So nobody today. Nobody today. <laughs> factions. You know, in, in many ways... That was one of the things, one of the legacies of the Third Republic was a factionalization of mm. our political parties. Huh. Yeah. So they went in there as factions and then they started, you know, politicking. Yeah. So a lot of the time you see in an election, there's a PFN candidate that's when, when it's time for the primary, mm. the SDP will have a PFN candidate and mm. a PSP candidate oh. going up against each other, oh. you know, and then when the PFN candidate wins or whatever, then he goes on. So that, that factionalism remained in the parties for almost the whole duration of the of the third republic but you had uh, so you had elections and but like I said a lot of cancellations as well yeah um, I'll give you an example of River State okay in River State when it was time for the governorship elections mm -hmm. after the LGA elections mm -hmm. you have the governorship elections and you had in the NRC you had the front runners mm -hmm. you had the NNC one of the NNC candidates two of the NNC candidates mm -hmm. were um one Rufus Ada George okay. and a Zeb Abule, Zeblon Abule. Hmm. And then you also had people like uh, Pere Ajua. And uh, so they were the main candidates on that side. Okay. On the SDP side, you had people like uh, one AK Dikibo, okay. one Sergeant Awuse. Okay. And they were the candidates there. Wow, all of these players are still playing. They are still there till now. Oh my God. And that's also another legacy of the Third Republic, which we'll get to. So, <laughs> They had the primaries, and the results that came out that day mm. were that Sergeant Awuse had won the SDP primary, mm -hmm. and Zeba Bule had won the NRC primary. Mm. But AK Dikibo petitioned against the SDP okay. re, um, result, okay. while um, Ada George petitioned against the NRC result. Okay. They both petitioned. Um, I will never forget seeing AK Dikibo on TV with a black eye. <laughs> because uh, what had happened was oh my god I'm in I'm laughing okay Eve <laughs> because uh, according to late AK Dikibo mm -hmm. um, on the day of the of the primary mm -hmm. uh, thugs showed up okay. beat him up knocked him out or drugged him or something mm -hmm. and then put resource sheets and other papers in his car mm -hmm. and then he was woken up to the sound of police and other people knocking on his car and saying, hey, 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 what's going on here? And then he woke up, obviously having been beaten up. Mm -hmm. And they're like, why are you doing it? All these resources and all that. Ah, you were trying to read the election. Wow. You are disqualified. Whoa. So he was like, no, hold on. I got beaten up. <laughs> I got accosted. And these ballot and these resource sheets were put in my car. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you are with the resource sheets. And yeah. the resource sheets were missing. And now we see them here with you. And you're telling us this funny story, cool story about you getting beat up. And they're like, but look at my eye. You could have punched yourself. Exactly what the police said. See? So, dude went on air. He went on the TV. He mm -hmm. was on the seven o'clock local news. Mm -hmm. and he was like, "Look, this is what just happened to me." Mm -hmm. And then he went to um, 
petition and everything. And it was not just him, like every other party. So, and it thought this happened in many states. It was not just in River State. Oh. So, IBB came on air and said, look, and he would, he, after everything I've done for you people, <laughs> bringing democracy back for you people, oh. is this the thanks I get? Oh. Is this the thanks I get? Uh, I have suffered. Uh, I'm convincing all my fellow military men not to do coup again. Just yeah. so people can do. And these of people to be disciplined. You're here rigging your election. Rigging the election. Such while we are man. still here. So what about when we, the military, go? How can we trust you? Yeah. Anyway, let me just help you. I'm cancelling the result of these primaries mm. in these particular states. Mm. He listed River State as one of them. Mm. And then he was like, and I'm also banning the following disqualifying the following people mm -hmm. from contesting so that was how um zeba Bule was banned from contesting okay. in the uh rerun and sergeant awuse mm -hmm. was also banned so that's the two people who won were banned were banned okay uh in lagos it was a completely different thing i think there in um the sdp there it was Al agbala jubi and sarumi okay. and the two of them were disqualified or something and that's how like um yumi Edu, he emerged as a candidate and then got beaten by Otedola. Mm -hmm. That was Otedola before the money, mm. not Otedola <laughs> with the money. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so that was happening in Lagos. But here, the two winners were disqualified. Uh -huh. So what happened was, Awusi said, okay, since I can't run, I'll bring somebody else to run on my behalf. Okay. So he brought Eric Assault and brought Eric to run. Uh, I don't think Abuli did the same thing. So that's how other judge emerged as the candidate from the NRC. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Erica saw mm -hmm. emerged as a candidate from the SDP, okay. and then they ran to the election, mm -hmm. and Ada Judge won, won and yeah. that's how Ada Judge became governor. Yeah. But you see, he lost the first time. Yeah. He petitioned. Yeah. It was cancelled, and the winner was disqualified. Yeah. So this happened a lot. So even before the presidential election, it happened again. Hmm. The first set of primaries had people like Sheu Musa Yarudua hmm. emerging as winners. Yeah. So his name came up a lot. His name comes up a lot. Yeah, Shio Musa Yardua's name comes up a lot in mm. Nigerian politics. And um, people either... And most of the time, it comes up in a very positive light. Um, a statesman, he was the second in command to Obasanjo mm -hmm. when they handed over to the Second Republic in mm -hmm. 1979. Mm -hmm. And he came up and he ran for election in the Third Republic. Mm -hmm. And even after he lost, he supported Abiola. Mm -hmm. And even when Abiola um, was being cheated, he stood by Abiola mm -hmm. and he resisted Abacha and mm -hmm. was arrested and died in prison. Mm -hmm. So he is often painted in a very positive light. Why do I feel like you're about to say something bad about him? <sighs> because, like I always say, <laughs> these men are all members of the same political class these old men who have ruled this country mm -hmm. and most of the time their hands are not clean yeah. and i don't believe that that in of itself disqualifies them mm. but i always believe in viewing all of them in the totality mm. of their actions uh i would call um yaradua uh, if not a war criminal but at the very least um well he was a murderer in during the um the counter coup he was he took part in the counter coup you wrote about him in your book yes i did i wrote yeah. about him in um he's one of the characters in my book superman yellow sun mm -hmm. which deals with the civil war mm -hmm. in some part mm -hmm. and uh yardua was if i can should we digress into this or should we just keep going um i think let's keep going because yes. you know we digress we're going to stay on that lane yes yeah yes <laughs> well suffice to say um he killed unarmed Igbo officers mm -hmm. during the war. Mm -hmm. uh, before the war, mm -hmm. rather, I should say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, let's keep him in context. <laughs> but yeah, so Yaradua won, mm -hmm. probably won his primary. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, Babangida cancelled that primary. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of reasons why Babangida cancelled that primary. But to be honest, there are lots of reasons why he cancelled everything. Yeah. He had some selfish reasons. Um, some people say that... Uh, Sani Abacha, who by this time was not his second in command, but might as well have been, mm -hmm. uh, did not want Yardua to emerge as the president. Yeah, for personal I heard that reasons. story as well. Personal issues, which I won't get into. <laughs> yes, they didn't like themselves. So some people say that. Mm -hmm. Some people also say that the father Yardua was their senior in the military, senior to both IBB and Abacha. Okay. That the idea of him ruling Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Put them out of commission. Yes. Yeah. They felt a bit threatened by yeah. that. So they wanted to just make sure he couldn't get it. So mm. there are some issues there. Mm -hmm. But be that as me, for whatever the reason, that election or that primary was cancelled. As well. As well. Now, it should be borne in mind. You should, now, as, you, as I'm telling you about all these cancellations, mm -hmm. I'm sure one of the questions in some of our listeners' minds is, why were the politicians putting up with all this? 
Exactly. By this point, the politician, the ethos among the politicians was simply one of anyhow, anyhow, let this military do and go. <laughs> I thought I thought now wish. Yes. So they were all like, let us not allow them to provoke us. Yeah. Because they will use that provocation and as an in. excuse to stay on. That's right. So anyhow it is. And most people saw it as IBB playing favorites. He didn't like who won. So he's going to disqualify until he until likes, he who, likes wins. who wins. Mm. Until he, his people win. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, I told you about River State. It was an open secret at the time that uh, Ada George was Abacha's favorite candidate. Ah. So it worked out yeah. for them. Yeah. You know? So it, the military were doing that. They were canceling primaries and canceling elections to make sure their favorites get there. Yeah. So the civilians, they don't really see it, not fully see it in the context of, oh, the military is like, is, is 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 disturbing us or the military is trying to derail everything mm-hmm. they say that oh the military is just trying to pick who they want yeah and let our hope is let me be the one that the that military wants so that's how they all saw it and they said you know what then let it, it will be over soon let's just enjoy it they can't stay forever yeah they're gonna go they yeah. want to go yeah you know it was only little by little towards the end that the, the niggling suspicion started growing that como maybe idb doesn't want to go oh you think Maybe this man legit wants to find a way to stay and just doesn't have the like mind to do it. Mm-hmm. And it should be noted at this time that some world leaders mm-hmm. were not against the idea of IBB staying on. IBB was I'm not going to say what I want to say. Continue. Um it's it's been said that Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. who was Prime Minister of the United at Kingdom the at the time, mm-hmm. told IBB to stay on, told him to try and run for president but IBB did not see how he could pull it off Mm. and we have to look at all these things that were happening to IBB in the context of his junior military officers, his generals who were below him the Abachas and the others Mm -hmm. because IBB was not acting on his own Mm -hmm. and you could tell a lot of the time they were not all in one voice and so the issue is was not only about what IBB wanted, it was also what the other generals wanted. How could you tell that they were not all in one voice? The events of June 12th makes it clear that they were not all in one voice. Ah, yes. So, we've, and we've pretty much gotten there now. Yeah. By the time we get the Yardwell um, primaries are cancelled, mm-hmm. uh, we have a new set of primaries, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, MK Abiola is now one of the front-running candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does he does a great job in the primary. Mm-hmm. There was no wuru-wuru there. He mm-hmm. came out as the candidate for his party. And he won in, like, in different parts of the country. Yeah, he was popular, even in, in states where his party wasn't popular. Yeah, he, he was. was popular because philanthropists. Yes, going and, around doing good. And um, well, I'm going to talk about Abiola a lot when we talk about structure. Okay. Because Abiola showed us what can be done by a politician mm-hmm. if he has built up his brand, mm-hmm. his track record in a place mm-hmm. that people don't need stomach infrastructure to vote for an outsider. That's right. They would vote for an outsider if they could believe in the outsider based on what he had done in the past. Yeah. So there were people, even in my state, River State, that was a strong NRC state. In Enugu as well. Who voted for Abiola because of what he had done in River State. Yeah. As a person, as an individual. Yeah. So he went beyond party and yeah. he, 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 done, he had done that. I believe that something that Nigerian politicians, especially those of us who fancy ourselves as reformers or would-be reformers, mm-hmm. who don't who are, who don't fancy ourselves as loyal to the political class, mm-hmm. we we could learn a lot from Abiola's campaign. Mm. We can learn a lot from the fact that he was campaigning before he was campaigning. Mm. That his philanthropy and his presence in many places mm. made him popular even before he came out. Mm. Yeah, so. That was how he got there and won that election. I I don't need to be politically correct here. I feel it's clear that Abiola won that election. Yeah. And uh, when he won the election, then the Wahala now started. And you see, here's the thing. Up until then, everybody had stomached all these cancellations and yeah. disqualifications yeah. because we didn't have a president yet. We did, we're not, we don't have an elected president. But the moment the military allowed Abiola to win that election, mm-hmm. the game changed. Okay. Because now, there's... Um, I find it interesting that you say allowed Abiola to win that election. Yes. 
Yes, because up until that point, they've been interfering in every election mm. and not allowing certain people to win mm. and allowing others to win. Mm. It's clear that they manipulated the whole process. But we also said it was free and fair. The election itself, that is the polling, the voting day, mm-hmm. was free and fair. Mm-hmm. But if now, let us say, the primaries before then were also free and fair. Mm-hmm. And then Abangida woke up and cancelled those problems. <laughs> Fair enough. And disqualified mm. the people who won or who came close, mm-hmm. allowing people like Abiola and Tufa to emerge. Mm-hmm. So can we say that the process that brought Abiola to the top was mm-hmm. fair? I, we can't really call it fair because there was interference that got him there. He wouldn't have won that first set of primary. He, he didn't win that first set of primary. Okay, fair enough. Yes. So the system was being manipulated by the military was it being manipulated i mean i'm sure they gave like cogent reasons why these people were disqualified so it comes down to that question of then that means either the military was lying or they were inept because they had absolute control over the country Mm. so why were they not able to ensure free and fair elections and free elections when it was a military government they were in charge of the police they were in charge of the soldiers they were in charge of the polling units so how were, how were civilians able to rig these elections yeah yeah okay yeah. all right so back to where you were yes so when the results started coming out yeah. it was clear that abiola was winning in the meantime mm-hmm. um abiola had made some political enemies so people some people had taken the, the government to court mm-hmm. had taken neck the electoral commission to court to stop the election mm-hmm. and then to stop the results of the election mm-hmm. so all that was ongoing the judges were given conflicting verdicts mm-hmm. and judgments and mm-hmm. saying no go ahead no stop the election no mm-hmm. cancel the election mm-hmm. but at the end of the day all decisions came to uh, Abiola um, Babangida and Babangida was uh, a military head of state and he ruled by decree and he didn't bow to the courts and he did not cite the courts as the reason why he cancelled the election. Mm. He said he was cancelling the election because he didn't like what was going on during the election. He said that um, two billion naira was shared by the two candidates, Abiola and Tofa, were sharing money to different people, and mm. up to two billion naira changed hands during the election. And he has told all of us not to use money <laughs> in this election. So, okay. Yeah, he was really really hurt personally by our betrayal. Okay. As Nigerians, yeah. the betrayal of him. Who, out of the goodness of his heart, yeah. was willing to, like, hand over, yeah. and leave this power yeah. that was his by right, yeah. that he had worked hard to overthrow a government to take, yeah. and we bloody civilians, yeah. without who couldn't even carry a gun, yeah. to do a coup, he was going to just give us power, yeah. and this was how we thanked him yeah. by sharing two billion naira. We're really ungrateful. We're terrible. Yeah, we're terrible. I mean, we don't deserve him. We really don't. We don't him, so he, he he did the right thing, to be honest. To cancel the election. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course. I I, I I I don't know why he stopped there. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't just declare himself president for life. I don't know what would have done without him. Yeah. I mean. I mean, look where we are. Yeah. I mean, here we are, just like now. Yeah. Rudderless and directionless. Messiahless. Okay, let's get serious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, Babangida cancelled the elections mm-hmm. and there was a whole hue and cry mm-hmm. about it. Um, different groups came up to, to like, kick against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, we should, I should, we should say, stay at this, say at this point that the cancellation of the election mm-hmm. and the June 12 election itself did not become was not iconic immediately. It was not seen in the context we see it now yeah. right away at yeah. the time. Yeah. It, first of all, it was just yet another cancellation. That's right. Yet another disqualification. That's right. So that uh, and you know, oh yeah, and after that, you know, he called for new elections. Mm-hmm. Those people like Yaradua who had been disqualified the first time mm-hmm. were now um, readmitted mm-hmm. until they could run for the next set of elections. Mm-hmm. But some of them said, no, they wouldn't. That mm-hmm. No, it's time for the military to go. Mm-hmm. And others said, look, let us just do the election. This is the election you want. Let's do the election so they will do and go. Mm-hmm. So they, see, there was that division yeah. there. So the military, led by Babangida, were now trying to, like, you know, calm everybody down mm-hmm. so he talked about an interim national government mm-hmm. and basically it is clear once we start to cause what happens next 
at least to me, my, my reading as mm. an amateur historian, shows me that what happened to Abiola was in some way personal. Hmm. Because here's what happened. I'm wondering if we should talk about what happened on this episode or on the next, because we've been talking for an hour. Maybe we can... This is a good time to take a break, I think, Yeah. And get into the next episode. Yeah. And deal with the June 12 election in its entirety. Yeah. Okay. So, with this episode, we've been able to do like a history lesson, mm. you know? Um, draw pa- parallels. As an Igbo woman, it's difficult for me to say parallel. Parallel. Yeah. Parallel. Parallel. Yes. <laughs> Parallel, parallel, parallel. Uh, yes, that word. So, um, similarity. So, 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 <laughs> um, we we've done a, a brief a brief um, history lesson. Mm. So, the first republic, the second republic, the third republic, how the third republic came about, the coups, and then Babangida, and then June twelfth. For our next episode. We're going to talk about June 12th properly. And then we're going to talk about why June 12th became iconic. We're also going to talk about um, the, um, the repercussions that not letting June 12th uh, stand had on the Nigerian um, democracy. A lot of people have said that that's the day that democracy died in this country so we're also going to take a look at that and see if there's some merit to that statement thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode hang around because the next episode is going to play next <laughs>